Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets, so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment, where we review the performance of the domestic markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week, so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 70 and as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Color podcast, I'm in the process of writing a book that is focused on fundamental analysis and this will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the financial markets and in particular how economic data influences asset prices. A quick progress report. We are still going back and forth with the editor as there are quite a number of amendments to be made. So please bear with us as we finalize on this last draft. And now to this week's podcast where we are reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 34th week of 2023. That is from Monday the 21st to Friday the 25th of August. And without further ado, this is your host Jamuhuri and together let's dive right in. We kick it off in the United States where on Friday the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell in his keynote address at the Fed's annual retreat in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, called for more vigilance in the fight against inflation. He warned that the Fed was prepared to raise interest rates even higher and intends to hold the policy rate at a restrictive level until inflation is moving sustainably lower towards its objective. Whilst acknowledging that progress has been made, the chairman noted that inflation remains above the Fed's comfort level and said that the central bank will remain flexible as it contemplates further rate hikes, but at the same time gave no indication that the Fed was ready to start cutting rates anytime soon. And back in the motherland, last week, South Africa was hosting the 15th BRICS Summit. And on Thursday, the BRICS Economic Coalition extended its membership to six additional nations, that is Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. And their membership will be effective from the 1st of January 2024. The BRICS alliance was originally composed of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And over in China, the People's Bank of China has now cut its one-year loan rate by 10 basis points from 3.55% 
to 3.45%. The one-year loan rate is used as a benchmark for pricing most household and corporate loans in China, and this was the second time that the central bank has cut the one-year rate in the past three months. However, and quite unexpectedly, the Chinese central bank opted to leave its five-year loan rate unchanged at 4.2%. This was unexpected because the five-year prime rate is used as a benchmark for pricing most mortgages, and the country's property sector is currently experiencing liquidity challenges with the increased risk of default. And in the land of the tax, on Thursday, Turkey's central bank hiked its main policy rate aggressively by 7.5 percentage points from 17.5% to 25%, signaling its commitment to dampen inflation through monetary policy. Persistent inflation has pushed the Turkish central bank to revise its inflation forecast for the end of this year from 22% to a high of 58%. And back in the United States, the U.S. stock market rallied on Friday as traders cheered comments from the Federal Reserve Chairman, which pointed to a stronger-than-expected economic growth. The optimism was fueled by the chairman's confidence in the continued economic growth in the United States as he cited especially robust consumer spending and early signs of recovery in the housing market. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed higher by 247 points at 34,346, while the S&P 500 gained 0.7%, to close at 4,405 and the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite advanced 0.9% to settle at 13,590. The Dow registered a second consecutive week of losses whilst the other two indices snapped a three-week losing streak. In the U.S. bond market, U.S. Treasury yields rose on Friday after the Fed Reserve Chairman reiterated his stance against inflation and signaled that more rate hikes could be on the way. The yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury note fell by about one basis point to settle at 4.23%, whilst the yield on the policy-sensitive 2-year Treasury note ticked up by about two basis points to 5.07%. The two-year note has a higher yield than the 10-year note, which means that the U.S. yield curve is inverted, and this is usually a classical indicator of an upcoming economic recession. For your information, bond yields and prices are inversely correlated, which means that as interest rates rise, bond yields fall, and vice versa. In the commodity market, the price of crude oil rose by about 1% on Friday as U.S. diesel prices soared after a fire broke out at an oil refinery in Louisiana. Diesel prices rose about 5% to a near 7-month high, which was its highest level since January 2023. Similarly, Brent crude rose by 1.3% to 
to settle at $84.48 a barrel, whilst the U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate increased by 1% to close the session at $79.83 per barrel. For the week, Brent crude declined less than 1%, whilst WTI fell by about 2%. Meanwhile, Marban Oil, which Kenya imports, declined to $85.90 per barrel from $86.02 the previous week. In the precious metals market, after four sessions of gains, the price of gold fell on Friday, and this was after the Fed chairman left the door open for more interest rate hikes going forward. During the week, the dollar index strengthened and the yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury note ticked higher and this dented the appeal for the non-yielding asset that is gold. The price of spot gold fell 0.2% to close the week price at $1,000. per ounce. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets and we start by looking at the domestic foreign exchange market where the Kenya shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies but remained relatively stable versus the regional currencies. According to data obtained from the central bank, the official exchange rate for the US dollar was quoted at 144.72 compared to 144.04 the previous week. However, in the interbank market, commercial banks were selling the US dollar at between 147 shillings on the lower side to above 152 shillings on the higher side. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 183.11 and the euro was valued at 156.51. And on the regional front, one Kenya shilling was changing hands for 25.71 Ugandan shillings and 17.24 Tanzanian shillings, and to the Rwandese franc, it was posted at 8.22. For your information, in the past one year, the Kenya shilling has lost about 20% of its value against the regional currencies, and this in turn has weakened the country's dominant trading position in the East African region. This current trend suggests that the Kenya shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future, and this is mainly due to the country's excessive national debt, which now stands at above 70% of the gross domestic product and consumes about 60% of total revenue collections, And what that means is that for every one shilling that the Kenya Revenue Authority collects, 60 cents will go towards debt repayment. On foreign exchange reserves, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves declined by $137 million to $7.15 billion, which is equivalent to 3.91 months of import cover. This is in breach of the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. And in spite of the recent funding received from the World Bank and the IMF, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves remain under pressure, and this is mainly due to the increased cost of servicing our external debt obligations, which have pushed the country to the precipice 
of a sovereign debt default. In the money market, the liquidity situation in the interbank market remained tight during the past week as tax remittances to the government exceeded and more than offset government payments into the market. The excess reserves held by commercial banks in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement stood at 5.8 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active as the average interbank rate increased to 11.97% compared to 11.22% the previous week. During the week, the average value traded in the interbank market increased from 22.9 billion shillings the previous week to 27.7 billion shillings this past week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 24th of August, and the central bank received bids totaling 23 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance rate of 96%. Interest rates on all the three tenors increased marginally as the bulk of the bids, totaling about 18.2 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate rose by 25 basis points to top out at 13.73%, whilst the 182-day rate inched up by 21 basis points to average out at 13.49%, and the 364-day rate gained by 26 basis points to break above and settle at 14.01%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01% and therefore 100 basis points is equal to one percentage point. Please note that the 91-day rate is once again higher than the 182-day rate and only marginally lower than the 364-day rate. That means that the one-year yield curve is now broadly flat with investors preferring the shorter-dated security as it enables reinvestment at a higher rate every 91 days. In the primary bond market, the central bank announced a top sale for the August bond issue and was looking to raise an additional 21 billion shillings. The top sale auction was held on Thursday, the 24th of August, and the central bank received bids totaling 23.6 billion shillings, against an advertised amount of 21 billion shillings, representing a performance rate of 112%, and the results were as follows. For the first bond, that is FXD1-2023-02, this was the new bond issue with a two-year tenor, and the central bank accepted 17.3 billion shillings at a weighted average rate of 16.97%, which is the coupon for this bond. The second bond was FXD1-2023-05. This is a reopened five-year bond with 4.9 years left to maturity, and the central bank accepted 6.1 billion shillings at a weighted average rate of 17.95%, vis-a-vis the existing coupon rate at 16.84%. 
At the Nairobi Securities Exchange during the past week, the equities market was on a downward trajectory with the NASI, the NSC20, and the NSC25 declining by 1.9%, 0.7%, and 2.1% respectively. This takes the year-to-date performance to losses of 22% for the NASI, 9.1% for the NSC20, and 18.3% for the NSC25. Markets' performance was mainly driven by losses recorded by large-cap stocks such as Kenya Commercial Bank Group, Absa Bank, and Safaricom, which declined by 13.5%, 6.7%, and 3.1% respectively. These losses were, however, mitigated by gains recorded by other large-cap stocks such as East African Breweries, Standard Chartered Bank, and Bamburi, which increased by 7.2%, 6%, and 3.4%, respectively. In the secondary bond market, turnover in the domestic market declined by 53% during the past week. And in the international markets, the yields on Kenya's eurobonds were on a downward trajectory and declined by an average of 40 basis points with the yield on the 10-year eurobond that matures in 2024 decreasing the most by 120 basis points from 14.2% the previous week to 13% this past week. Up next is the topical issue, and this week we are looking at the government's decision to step away from the deal to import fuel oil on a credit basis. The government of Kenya has opted to step back from the deal to import fuel oil on a credit basis. And this was after the International Monetary Fund expressed concerns that Kenyan taxpayers may be exposed to foreign exchange losses under this deal. According to the IMF, the credit period of six months introduces the risk of foreign exchange losses due to the delayed credit payments, which are subject to changes in the dollar-shilling exchange rate. The agreement to import fuel on credit was initiated by the Kenyan government and was in partnership with the governments of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. The aim of this agreement was to ease the demand for U.S. dollars in the domestic forex market by allowing local oil marketing companies to pay for their fuel imports in Kenya shillings. However, what the government failed to realize was that at the end of the credit period, the final payment would still have to be effected in U.S. dollars. The Treasury Cabinet Secretary, Professor Jogona Dongo, confirmed that the government was stepping away from the deal and will now permit oil marketing companies to revert back to the tried and tested open tender system. For your information, fuel is Kenya's single largest import commodity and accounts for about 20% of our total import bill, whilst at the same time draining an estimated $500 million per month from the economy. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. 
thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. I hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. I really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music. The Market Color Podcast is now also available on the WhatsApp channel. Remember, it's free to subscribe and follow. Therefore, please consider doing so. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhurig at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, today is the tomorrow you were so worried about yesterday. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.